0: Jesus is alive. Happy Resurrection Sunday. Let's give him a hand. Absolutely. Jesus is alive. What an incredible day this is. Thank you so much for worshiping with us today. I'm so glad that you're here. I know a lot of the kids are excited about the egg hunt, and so we'll be getting to that in just a little bit. But right now we get to celebrate Jesus Christ. Now, there was a couple guys who were talking about their college kids and trying to get their college kids to come home. And how hard it is and how difficult it is. And one guy said, well, it's not that hard for me. I get my kids home every year for Easter. He goes, how do you do that? Well, we have an egg hunt. Now, come on. College students and egg hunts, they don't like to do that. He goes, oh, yeah, my boys do. They, they dive on the, on the ground. They wrestle each other for them. He said, come on, really? He said, yeah. Matter of fact, he goes, how do you do that? He said, well, here's how it works. I put $10 bills in the eggs, $20 bills in the eggs, and $50 bills in the eggs. Well, there's not going to be $10 bills or $20 bills out there in those eggs today, but there will be some candy and some chocolate, and we're excited about that in just a little bit. Now, if you have your Bibles, Exodus chapter 12 is where we're going to be going today. Exodus chapter 12, so we're going to be looking at that in just a second. Now, when it comes to marketing, usually there's, there's branding, there's some type of branding in which we want to create a symbol so that you can recognize the company very easily. So let's just talk about some symbols real quick, and let's look at, at different types of symbols. Can you show the picture up here? Let's see if we can name these symbols and which company they go to, all right? The top left. Good job. The next one. Good. The next one. See, I couldn't figure that one out either. So That must not be a very good brand, uh, obviously. So go to the far right. NBC, the bot- uh, next one down, next row. Apple, very good. What about the... Way to go, Batman. See, we had to get Batman into because Batman, Superman right now is going on, so we had to get that put in. All right, next. Good job. The Next one. All right, very good. What about the bird? All right, very good. Next. Good job. Next. Times, good job. Next. BP, British Petroleum. Next, down at the bottom left. Skype, very good. Next. And... WordPress, good, and the far right, Google Chrome, all right, very good. You see, a symbol has a way in which it demonstrates and connects you to a product, all right? Today, we're going to be talking about a very powerful symbol. What does the cross represent? When you begin to think about the cross, when you see the cross, what is the cross as a symbol? We wear it with our earrings, we wear it as necklaces, we wear it on our shirts, we put it on buildings. What does the cross represent? The cross is a very powerful symbol, isn't it? It speaks of love, it speaks of forgiveness, it speaks of grace. What I would like to do today is I would like us to journey back in time to Exodus. Now, it seems very strange to be having a Resurrection Sunday talking about the Old Testament. Last week we were, we were talking through Moses and walking through the life of Moses. And we came through the plagues. You remember the plagues? There were ten plagues. And we talked through nine of those plagues. And we left this last one for today. And the reason why is because... God gave an incredible symbol, a symbol of what the cross really does for you and I. He did it several thousand years before the cross ever existed, and it was in the Old Testament, and it was the last plague that happened in the land of Egypt. And so today, I would like us to look at the symbol, and then we're going to tie it to what the cross has done for us today, all right? So Exodus chapter 12, would you stand for the reading of God's word? Exodus chapter 12 I'm going to ask that you go down, let's look at, go all the way down to verse 12, and then we're going to do 12, 13, and 14. Here's what the Bible says. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night. I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and on all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are, and when I see the blood, I will what? Pass over you. And no plague will befall you to destroy you. And when I strike the land of Egypt, would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your love, your goodness, your grace, your mercy. I thank you today that we praise a risen Savior. That Jesus Christ was not just left on the cross, was not left in the tomb, but Jesus is alive and well, and we say thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for having the power over death, over hell, over sin, over Satan, And God, today you are victorious. We want to say thank you, Jesus. Now, as we come to this moment, I pray your Holy Spirit would have freedom in this place. I pray that you would speak through me. And I pray truly you would give us the ears to hear so that, Father, today your work would be done. I pray that you give us the courage to apply it to our lives. In Jesus' precious and holy name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. All right, so let me do, just get you caught up. Um, maybe you have seen the, the, the movie of Charlton Heston and the Ten Commandments, and you see and you know the, the plagues. What God was trying to do was trying to release Israel from Egypt to no longer be slaves. They had been slaves for 430 years, and after 430 years, God had given a promise all the way back, if you remember, when Joseph first went to the land of Egypt, that he would deliver his people and that... God's people would come out of the land of Egypt, and now is the time, 430 years, they had been slaves, and now God is ready to release them. Pharaoh kept saying no. Moses would go in and make the famous statement, let my people go, and Pharaoh said no, and he kept saying no, and every time he said no, his heart got a little harder, and so the plague after plague after plague continued to come, all the way through nine plagues, and now we get to this tenth plague. If you go over to chapter 11, you can kind of see what begins to happen. And what happens is this. There's just three simple points today. Number one is this. There was a strong and clear warning. Moses walks in and God says to Moses, I want you to go into Pharaoh and let him know that this is the last plague. This is the last time you're coming in. This is his last warning. At this moment, from this time on, once this plague happens, you, Pharaoh, will let my people go. So he comes in and Moses begins to tell Pharaoh, here's what's going to happen. You need to get ready. You need to get prepared. Because tonight, this night, God is going to come through the land. And when he comes through the land of Egypt, every firstborn child will die. Can you imagine hearing that type of news? It's going to be a natural disaster. It is going to happen. And every household will be impacted. From the slave all the way up unto your house, Pharaoh, no one will be exempt. Now, can you imagine hearing those words? No one's exempt. No one's exempt. Every house, somebody is going to die, all the firstborn. Now, how many firstborn people are here today? Firstborn, raise your hand. Very good. Can you imagine? That's pretty tough stuff, isn't it? Now, when you hear, if you heard news like this, how do you think you would respond? That's a great question. How do you think you would respond if you heard news like, hey, by the way, um, there's going to be a plague tonight, and all the firstborn are going to die in, in America? Would say, you're crazy. You're a loon. You're, you're, you're a lunatic. Come on. There's, there's no way that that's really going to happen. We've never seen anything like that before, right? You're crazy. Why would that happen? So Pharaoh says, yeah, right. There's no way that you can actually possibly touch every single house. So he doesn't believe. Now, uh, Moses says this, Pharaoh. It doesn't matter if you believe. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter if you like it or not. It doesn't even matter if you agree with it or not. Well, I don't like that. God, God must be a bad God. It doesn't matter what you think about it. Here's the clear, strong warning: This is going to happen. Now, are you following this? It's a clear, strong warning. It's going to happen whether you agree with it, whether you like it, and no one is exempt. We all like exemptions, don't we? Especially when, it, like, let's say taxes are coming up. How many of you would like a tax exempt? You don't have to pay at all. Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah, we all would. We like exceptions. We like exceptions to the rules. And Pharaoh's setting back going, well, that might happen to them. It might happen to the slaves. It might happen to other people, but it's not going to happen to me. So Moses, go ahead and do your best, because I just don't believe it's going to happen. And he sets back, and he acts like nothing's going to happen. Well, Moses, in chapter 12, God says, okay, Moses, I want you to do something. I want you to go out, and now I want you to give very specific instructions. Because this disaster is going to happen. My death angel is going to come. I am going to visit the land. And all firstborn are going to die, from animals, slaves, all the way up into the Pharaoh." All the way through the royalty. So chapter 12, God begins to speak to Moses. He says, all right, Moses, here's what I want you to do. I'm going to give you very specific instructions, and all you have to do is follow them. Okay, just follow them. That's all you have to do. Now, how many of you like to read instruction books? When you buy something new, is there anybody? Okay, there's a handful. How many of you, when you buy something new, you don't even think about looking at the instructions? Raise your hand. All right, very good. Yeah, most of us don't like instructions. Now, we like instructions if we give the instructions, don't we? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about? As long as we're giving the instructions, hey, we're we're all in favor of instructions and making sure we tell people what to do. Now, as soon as we hear an instruction that we don't like, what do we typically do? Say, no way. I don't agree with it, right? Especially, let's just say your boss gives you instructions. He says, I want you to do this, this, and this. And you're going, well, I don't really like that deadline. What about your teacher's? Well, maybe I really have to do it that way. And we try to do it all different ways, right? We don't like instructions. Now, here's where God speaks to Moses, chapter 12. He says, Moses, here's what's going to happen. This event, it's real, it's big, and from this moment on, from this moment on, your calendar is going to be rearranged according to this event. From here on out, this is going to mark the first month of the the year for you. Your calendar is going to be rearranged. Verse 3, he says in chapter 12, he says, I want you to take a lamb. And everybody's going to take a lamb. And they're going to take this lamb, and it's going to be a pure lamb. It needs to be a lamb without blemish, verse 5. And it needs to be one year old, and it needs to be a male. Now think about this for a second. This is the first time. Now, you and I know the story. But this is the first time he receives instructions about taking a lamb. Why do I need to take a lamb? Can I not take a donkey? I mean, i got a donkey I need to kill. It's a dumb donkey. Why, 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 why a lamb? What about, what about a chicken? Can a chicken do? I really need my lamb. Are you following this? And there's this question, why do I need to take this? But okay, God, you're saying a lamb. It needs to be one year old. It needs to be without blemish. It means it needs to be a, a clean and pure lamb. Okay, we're going to take it. And okay, I'm following you, God. And then God says, here's what you're going to do. You're going to kill it. What? One year old? Really? Why, why do I need to take a lamb and kill it? And then God says, I want you to cook it a special way. I want you to to roast it in your oven on fire. You're not going to boil it like you usually do. But you're going to roast it, and you're going to roast it completely together. All together with the insides and everything. That's kind of gross, right? You're going to roast it all together, and you have to eat whatever is on there. And anything you don't eat, I want you to burn. Wow, God. Oh, by the way, when you kill it, you need to kill it at twilight. So think about this, in just a few verses, and it had to be on the 14th day of this month. So it had to be on a specific day, it had to be on at twilight, at, right before dusk, and there's over 600,000 men, is what we're going to find out in just a little bit, 600,000 heads of homes that are going to have to kill. Now, if it was one lamb, that's one thing, but 600,000 at least, are you following this? He says, I want you to kill them. Now, does that not sound strange to you? Does that not sound really weird to you? Let's kill a bunch of lambs. And then God says, I want you to do something even more strange. I want you to take the blood, and I want you to put it at the top of the door and on the sides of the door. Now, let me ask you something. Is there any magic in blood? Help me out. Is there? If, if you're going to prepare food and you're going to cook out, typically you don't want blood all over the grill. You're not wanting blood all over the doors. You're not wanting blood all over the plate, right? You clean it up. But now God is saying, I want you to take the blood, and I want you to put it on the door, and I want you to put it on the sides. And that's the instructions. Does it make any logical sense? Follow me. Does it? Does it make sense at all to do this? It it, it is so weird. It's so far out there. Why in the world would you have to do that? Now, I don't like instructions. And when you get instructions, you kind of sit back and go, well, I don't know if I believe it. Now, the question wasn't about do you believe it or not. The question was here's the instructions and here's what you do. Now, Moses got the instructions. Okay, now the next part is this. Moses, I want you to know I am going to visit the land, and when I see the blood, I'm going to pass over. That's the instructions. So now, Moses, it's your turn. You go tell the people that. Can you imagine Moses stepping up and saying, all right, guys, I have a word from God. We're going to kill a bunch of lambs, and I want you to smear the blood all over everything. That's weird. Oh, and by the way, when you're in the house eating, I want you to make sure your belts are tight, and I want you to make sure you have your clothes on, and you're going to have your shoes on too. What? And and you need to have your staff in your hand. Why? Because after tonight, you need to be prepared to walk out. Really, Moses? That's what God said? Maybe you've had some pepperoni pizza or something last night. I don't know. Really? That's what I'm supposed to? Yes, that's what you're doing. Very specific instructions. And he says, this is what you're to do. Now, when you begin to tell people something, usually there's a, a loss of translation, right? Have you ever, uh, there was a little girl who, who um, went to Sunday school on, on Easter and she drew, drew some pictures. They said, draw the picture of the story of the resurrection. So she drew her picture. And when she went home, she told her parents all about it. Look, here's the Easter bunny. Here's, here's the empty tomb. Here's, here's the cross. Here's a Roman soldier. And here's Jesus now. And then they said, well, what's that up in the sky? And she said, oh, that's an airplane. An airplane? Why do you have an airplane in the resurrection story? Well, it's for Pontius the Pilate. <laughs> Pontius the Pilate. Now, when you communicate, you think people are hearing, right? You think people are understanding what you're saying. And Moses says, okay, guys, this is it. This is what we have to do. So there's very specific instructions. And he, doesn't, he says this, it doesn't matter whether you agree with it. It doesn't matter if you like it. It doesn't matter if you think it's dumb, if you think it's illogical, if you think it's not even relevant to your life. It doesn't matter. Here's the instructions. God's coming. It's a clear warning. All the firstborn are going to die, and here's your instructions. And now here's one simple, very simple, one single requirement. All you have to do, you ready for this? If you want to be safe, if you want to be safe, all you have to do is obey. And trust God. That's it. Now, if you want to face the death angel alone, you're going, well, you know what? I could take on the death angel. I could take this on. I don't think this matters. You could try it, but you wouldn't win, right? You could you could say, Okay, you know what? I don't I don't know if I really believe it, but it doesn't matter whether you believe or not, it matters whether you obeyed or not. Are you following? So the story continues. God does show up that night, and God shows up, and when he comes through. He comes through the land of Egypt. He comes through the land of Israel. And when he comes into the land of Israel, he sees the blood on the door. This is an incredible thought. God's wrath and God's punishment, he passes over each house, and each house is safe. Isn't that amazing? And what they get is love, grace, and mercy. And they said in their house, And it's kind of an eerie, spooky feeling. I've been in hospitals, I've been in rooms, I've been in houses when death has come. And there's this spooky, eerie feeling at first. And then there's cries. I've been in rooms where there's great rejoicing when they've known the Lord. And it's been great rejoicing when somebody knows the Lord and they die. And then I've been in rooms and hospitals when it's also great agony and pain. And the screams begin to go up in the land of Egypt as the death angels coming through and each house is touched. I cannot imagine the night. I cannot imagine the, and fathom the thoughts. One scream or two screams, that's that's spooky enough. But when every house is impacted, can you imagine that night? I cannot. And it goes all the way throughout the land. Every house, that's a natural disaster. Every house is hit. And... Finally, Pharaoh realizes even his house was hit and he wasn't exempt. And his son is now dead. In his agony, he cries for Moses. Moses, come, get out. Take whatever you want, get out of here. I never want to see your face again. And as you're leaving, Moses, would you bless me? Major pain. Major pain. They begin to leave. And now you're looking at some 200 million, I mean two million, sorry, two million Israelites, they begin to walk out, and as they begin to walk out, they're singing, there's dancing, there's celebration because God has freed them and saved them. You want to know why we celebrate today? Because as Christians, we are no longer under the wrath of God. On the cross, on the cross, Jesus took God's wrath, and God's wrath has now passed over me. And I receive God's grace and God's mercy. That's why we celebrate. And there should be singing. There should be celebration. There should be this excitement because God's love is on us. And God's wrath has passed over us because of the cross. So let me give you three simple points again. The same simple points. And let me walk us through this. You ready? Number one, here's a strong warning. The strong warning is this. It's appointed unto man once to die and after this is a judgment. Listen to me, my friend. You will stand before God. Well, he th- I don't really believe in God. Okay. You can sit there and say you don't believe in God all you want. And you can deny him. Listen, I, 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 I'm not going to sit back and argue with you. I'm not going to get mean with you. You can ignore the fact that there's a God. And you can say, I don't believe in this stuff. I think that's, a just a, that's just for you crazy religious people. And you can deny it all you want, just like Pharaoh denied it. Are you following this? Just like Pharaoh. He said, there was not going to happen. It can't happen. And maybe you sit back and say, you know what? I'm exempt. And you can think that's about for everybody else. But the reality is this. There is going to come a point in time where you stand before the living God. Who is alive and who is well. Who created all things, and you will stand before him. And the Bible tells us this for the wages of sin is death. When you have sinned, and what is sin? Sin is this when the created beings, us, look at the Creator and say, We don't want you, we want to do it our way. We ignore you, we don't want you in our lives. That's sin. Because it breaks the created order. Does that make sense? Because God created. And when we walk away and we say we don't want God, we have violated his created order. And the Bible tells us for the wages of sin is death. There is a punishment for sin. That's the strong warning. And nobody is exempt and nobody gets away from it. Now, let me give you something very interesting. They're very specific instructions. Because I don't want to pay for my sin myself. Matter of fact, I can't pay for it all the way through myself. I can't do it. I'll spend all eternity trying to pay for it and I won't be able to get there. Now there's specific instructions. The Bible tells us this. That there's no other name given under heaven whereby we can be saved. But the name of Jesus Christ. There's one name. You don't want to face God's wrath. You don't want to pay for your own sin. Then God has provided Listen to this. God has provided himself a lamb. You see, what the lamb pictured in the Old Testament was the spotless son of God, Jesus Christ. See, Jesus Christ was without sin. He never sinned, never once sinned. He was the son of God who came to live and to walk among us so that he could provide for you and I salvation. It's an incredible gift. And he was the lamb of God, the one who would be slain. There's no other name. And you can try to use any other religion that you want. And every other religion, you're trying to work towards salvation. And Jesus comes along and says, you can't work towards it. I provide it. It's through Jesus Christ. And So the Bible tells us, here's how it works. But the gift of God is what? Eternal life. How do you get that eternal life? How do you get it? I want to get that. That's what I want. Eternal life is by and through Jesus Christ. And so here it is. The single requirement. It's very simple. It's not joining the church. It's not being baptized. It's not doing enough good because you will never do enough good. Did you hear that? You can never earn it. The single requirement is this. Confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead and you shall be what? saved. See, here's what happened on the cross. On the cross, as Jesus is on the cross, his blood was shed. It was spotless. It was pure. It was perfect. And on the cross, God's wrath was poured out for sin. Sin's debt was paid in full on the cross. And on the cross, when we trust Jesus Christ and his death, when God sees his blood, Jesus' blood, applied to our lives, because we've confessed and we've accepted God's gift, then God passes over us. You see it? It passes over. So the question is this. Have you confessed? Have you trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Have you done that? If you have, then God's wrath passes over you and you get the love of Jesus Christ. If you haven't, if you haven't, my friend, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to say, Jesus, I ask for you to be my Lord and Savior. Give your life to Jesus so that you're not paying for your sin, so that you get the Passover, so that you get salvation. You get God's love instead of God's wrath. So some of you today, maybe you've been running from God, and you know you've been running, and it's time. You see, you're not here by accident. God brought you here today so that you would hear that God loves you and wants to welcome you back. It's time. It's time to stop running. It's time to come back. For some of you, you're going, I need, I know I need to get right with God. I'm not right with God. You can't do it on your own. The simple requirement is this. You come, you confess, And you trust Him as your Lord and Savior. And what you'll get is forgiveness. Thanks for listening to the Oaks Cast. The Oaks meets on Sundays at 9 a.m. for traditional service and 10.30 a.m. for contemporary service. For more information, you can visit us at discovertheoaks.org.